The text is going to come up uh, to share about non-traditional mothers, but before she does, she asked me to read Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, and verse 16. Uh, if you'd like, you can turn to it. If you have a pew Bible, it's on page 681. Matthew 1, verses 1 to 6, and verse 16. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamir. Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. And then down to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Like Josh, I stand before you guys today to share not about my own mothering experience, but about the impact that I have seen mothers make in the lives of those they love and have been called and committed to care for every day. While there are many mothers out there who might have resonated with the stories that Josh shared, we know there are still others of you um, whose hearts were stirred with yearnings of motherhood unmet or mothers with memories of bearing your child too soon. Some of you might have experienced the coming of your child as unexpected or through a terrible circumstance. Some of you feel a gap from the lack of the bond, um, of biological bonds, yet you yearn for your child to know your authentic love or wish there was a father present to help raise and care for the children um, as Josh is there with Jess. These and any other thoughts and swirls of emotions may come with being what might be called a non-traditional mother. God has given me a special heart for non-traditional mothers. These mothers are my friends. Many of them are in the congregation here amongst us. Um, They've taught me a lot and re-taught me about motherhood and what it means to mother a child. Some of these mothers are friends from that I made while I was in Uganda with Child Voice or friends from my time in Boston and with university. Friends like you, some of you have been single parents. Some of you have chosen to foster or to adopt. You've had a heart to love and to give a home and support and care and discipline and mentorship to otherwise fatherless, motherless children who are in need of God-fearing parents. So I start, for my friends who have chosen to live in low-income neighborhoods and foster or adopt and care for younger children or teens coming out of broken homes and communities, I have learned that it takes great courage to fight to protect for your child, to love more 
when they remind you that perhaps you're not their biological parent. And to persevere with hope when they're behaving with ways that reminiscent of the trauma that they experienced that was completely outside of your control before you even met them. And to demonstrate instincts that God has created in you to be a mother to an otherwise motherless child. Just this past week, I received a prayer update from um, some friends of mine who are in New Haven fostering a teenage boy. They had written to ask for intercession because their son had run away and they didn't know where he was running to, but they knew the neighbors down the block had been trying to recruit him into a gang and that his own mother um, was very addicted to drugs, which is why he entered the foster care system in the first place. They ran down the street, screaming his name, praying for him, crawling out to a large gathering of community to pray and intercede for him. And yet, just a day late, a day ago, a week after they had first written, they wrote with joy that he had shown up unexpectedly on their doorstep, that they had rushed home from their jobs to greet him with the warm, loving embrace, as we see with the prodigal son, as if it had been their own child who had come home, forgiving and loving him no matter what had happened while he was gone. And yet this love also had courage and determination. As much pain as there had been when he had been separated from them, they chose through prayer and discussion with him to choose for him to actually leave their home because it wasn't safe because of the neighborhood they lived in and to have him enter into a rehab program where they might only see him once every few weeks. But it was their love for him that made them decide to do this. And the joy that comes knowing that he is on a better path for a better future because of their presence in his life. For my friends at Child Voice, there's so many ways that even these young mothers need mothers in their own life. And yet, their actions speak louder than words. Mothers who wake up early, um, carrying their child physically all day long, um, bathing their child three to five times a day, which for me, I'm like, one bath is enough. But for them, they're like, no, we need to protect them against disease. And yet, even when their children do get sick, they'll sleep on the floors in clinics without care for their own health or a diet or a sleep just wanting their, nursing their child back to health. The pain in their hearts um, when they remember the trauma that brought this child into their life, and yet knowing God is using this child to bless them, to bring hope and healing, and that while the child might have come from an unplanned pregnancy, from an assault or abuse that had happened, that the child is not to blame And that actually God is bringing new hope in their season of singleness and single parenting. And that there's healing through the gift of the child that God has brought into their life. I think in particular, I'm reminded of the story of Nadia, um, who came to Child Voice out of South Sudan. She was brought out of a brothel. She had been orphaned herself. And she had had previous abortions, but this child she wanted to keep. And when she came into the center, there was many complications with her pregnancy and with her birth, with her C-section and the healing for her and her child. And she had no idea how to be a mother. And yet it was the mothers around her 
the other mothers who had learned what it meant um, to be a mother at 15, 16, 17, um, who took her baby and started bathing her baby and teaching her, this is how you care, this is how you love, this is how you hold, this is how you hope. And for Nadia, the first few weeks, I could tell she didn't love her child. There was no love in her for the child, but she saw her friends loving her child more than she did. And she saw her friends' children joyfully laughing and playing. And over time, as she learned from her friends, she too grew to love her baby. And she grew to love her baby so much that to this day, when I recently returned in January, she was the one teaching the youngest set of mothers how to play with their children, how to love their children, how to care for their children. It was from the examples of those around that she learned from the community It was from the staff who themselves had sacrificed stepping away from their families to teach these mothers how to be mothers that they learned. Upon returning from Uganda and a year of working with these young mothers, I found out one of my own former students had a difficult situation while I was away and became pregnant months after graduating from MIT. From what my child voice friends had taught me, God prepared me to walk alongside my sister, who now was hearing the same lies, that she had caused this, that she was unfit to be a mother, that nothing good would come out of a single young mother, and was faced with rejection after rejection for jobs and housing because there was no spouse. Yet God drew close to her, as he does with all mothers, and he reminded her that he loved her and the baby. One night, while wrestling with the consideration of terminating the pregnancy, he gave her a dream before she even knew the gender of the child. And in that dream, she was told it was a baby girl, and her name was to be Oluwatimoni, peace, which means the God that I have, God is all there is, peace. She has grown deeper in her faith and trust for God to provide for her and Timoni, and has seen her Heavenly Father be a father to them both in this past year. And for my friends who might have had a miscarriage or stillborn birth, I've seen the grief that comes with bearing your child before you spend much time with them. Similar to the grief I saw from my friend Tracy last year in Uganda, when her three-year-old son was severely scalded with hot water and contracted malaria and passed away. Most mothers never have to navigate this experience. But does this loss negate your love or your bond to be a child, with your child as a mother? The enemy in the world often tells women that if they're not married, they didn't give birth to their child, if they had a miscarriage and lost the child before they were born, if their child came as a result of rape, assault, or a momentary mistake, They're not truly mothers, nor do they deserve the mother label. This is a lie. How do we know this is a lie? Because as Pastor David just read, our own Lord Jesus Christ was born into a lineage, which the other Jews would have scoffed at. But God chose to use non-traditional mothers in a special way to bring his kingdom here on earth. When I read Matthew 1, 1 through 6 and verse 16, I see the names of Tamar, 
of Rahab, of Ruth, Uriah's wife, who we know to be Bathsheba, and Mary. All these women are proclaimed as mothers in the royal line of David. And all are mothers who, by Jewish standards, were non-traditional and met with societal disapproval. These are women whose children's births or marriages were seen as sketchy. Women who cried tears and were afraid of what would happen because their lives as mothers were not like the majority of the women around them. I'm reminded of their stories. Their stories of rape, of prostitution, of adoption and unconventional marriage, of adultery and the death of a firstborn child, of pregnancy before marriage. Yet these stories do not end there. Matthew specifically calls them out and draws attention to these women and to their presence in the lineage, in addition to the traditional mothers who they would have accepted, because God wanted to bless them and use them, despite what others might have thought or expected. God saw them, he loved them, and used them in their own way, and he chose to bless both the traditional and non-traditional mothers to be a part of his kingdom coming of ushering in his own son, he did not see one set of mothers more worthy or less worthy than others. But both are included in the lineage of our Lord Jesus Christ. Your motherhood might look different from those around you, but whether you're blessed with a husband, blessed with a child, or blessed with the experience of mothering children God has brought into your life, It's no less important nor useful in the grand plans of our Heavenly Father who redeems all things for those who, for the good of those who love Him. To all mothers, you are seen. Your hearts are known. Your Heavenly Father is walking with you as you seek after Him in this journey and season. Happy Mother's Day to you all.